You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Hello, Mission family. Uh, It's great to be with you today. My name is Brian Bell. I'm part of the teaching team here at the Mission So this week, we got something big happening, right? A a national election. And some of you have been uh, glued to Fox News and CNN for months. You're all fired up about it. You've posted messages and you've uh, been interacting with people on social media. And you feel strongly about one candidate or another. And others of you, on the other hand, uh, can't wait for this to be over so we can be done with the negative TV ads and uh, are sick of having your mailbox filled with those uh, uh, election mailers, and you're ready for this week to be over. And and for all of us, I think there's this recognition that there's a certain ugliness that's gone on in this whole process, and it's, it's divisive, and we feel the friction related to it. And today, we want to look at how do we respond as a church community? How, how do we exhibit, how do we be the kind of community that God wants us to be in the middle of a, a, of a rancorous time, of a difficult, challenging, divided time? Today, I want to share with you sort of three sort of overarching facts, things to understand, and then we're going to dive into a biblical perspective on this topic. First sort of overarching fact to understand is we live in an incredibly divided world right now. Perhaps not the most divided that we've ever been in our country when you think about the period right before the Civil War or during America's founding, uh, but a very divided time, more divided than at any time during uh, most of our lifetimes. And um, it's increasingly difficult in that world because there's a tendency, particularly with social media, to surround ourselves with people who think like we do. In fact, uh, the challenge Uh, with social media is that uh, it's not made for discourse. It's not made for communication, real communication, where we we, we reach agreement on things. You think about Twitter, and I mean, the whole idea of a a good tweet is like pulling the pin on a hand grenade and sort of tossing it into the middle of this conversation because you're the, the tweets that get passed on and retweeted are, are the ones that are, 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 uh, really uh, sharp and uh, are like a dagger stabbing away because uh, those are the ones that have effect, but they, you know, typically they're agreed to by the people already agree with them and they're hated by the people who are in disagreement with them. Uh, One has only to look at the comment section in almost any news article on foxnews.com or cnn.com and you'll see that same level of uh, vitriol and rancor that sort of defines how our relationships are today. In reality, uh, it seems like most people lack the ability to have social discourse with people who think differently than they do. As followers of Christ, though, uh, we should be all about uh, being able to have dialogue with those who think differently than we do. Second overarching fact, we should approach this election understanding that the God of the universe is not a Republican, and he's not a Democrat, and he never has been. The, the reality is that God wants all people to come to relationship to him. He wants all people to come to repentance. He objectively recognizes the evil that exists within each one of us and wants us to come to him in humility, recognizing our need for a savior. 
He's bigger than this election. Uh, His purposes are not dependent on who is in the White House. Uh, And they're not even dependent on whether this nation continues to exist or not. This should give us perspective. It's not nearly as big a deal as most people want to make it out to be. This should not be the reason that your relationships in life have broken down because they've been divided by this uh, sort of political discord. It should give us humility in recognizing our need uh, and our own lostness and brokenness rather than focusing on the faults of those with opposing political views. And finally, we should remember that God is sovereign regardless of of who is in the White House. Third overarching fact before we jump into our topic today is that nothing that I've said should take away from the great privilege we have of living in this nation and uh, regardless of whatever faults that you believe that it has. And the privilege of living in this nation comes with responsibility. And when you're in a representative democracy, the primary responsibility is to vote. Sometimes what happens is when there's this level of uh, discord, we want to pull back from that political process rather than engage in it. And uh, I believe that a better approach than pulling back is to seek out men and women of courage and character and, and vote for those kind of individuals who uh, have a, a passion for and a desire to be a statesman rather than a politician. And further, as Christians, our obligation is to pray for those who are in positions of authority, whether we voted for them or not. And the amazing thing with that is that prayer gives us perspective. So thinking about those facts, let's take a look at the reality of how God wants our community to be in uh, this difficult time. I want to share with you just a a few points. First of all, God has made us in his image. Genesis 1.27 says that uh, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So there's something unique and different about the creation of man uh, because we're made in the image of God. We have creative capacity because we're made by a creator God. We have the ability to uh, think morally because we are made in the image of a moral uh, creator and so on. So there's, there's something about us that's unique and different because we're made in the image of God. Secondly, God wants us, God expects us, God has made us to be in relationship with others. And uh, God did not make us to live this life by going and being a hermit someplace and living far away from the problems that surround us. God has made us to be in relationship with other people. And uh, part of the reasons that this lockdown period was so difficult during COVID is because it went against the nature of who we are as human beings. We were made to be in relationship with others. Third, our relationships with others are to be modeled after God's relationship with us. So the way we interact with other people is modeled by God in his relationship with us. And there's five characteristics Five characteristics of God's relationship with us that should characterize how we relate to our fellow human beings. First of all, God's relationship with us is marked by love. The single greatest attribute that describes how God interacts with us as human beings is found in the word love. 
It says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he sent his son here on earth to die on our behalf, but that was motivated by his love for us as human beings. And you can see in that love, uh, the self-sacrificial aspect of it that God expects for us, the willingness to put uh, uh, the life on the line for somebody else. So God's desire for us as human beings is we live out that same kind of love with our fellow human beings, a a love that is self-sacrificial that puts the needs of others ahead of our own needs and a love that's willing to put our life on the line for others. Second word that characterizes God's relationship with us that should, that should be part of our relationship with others is found in the word grace. The word grace means unmerited favor or undeserved favor. And uh, it relates to the fact that what we really deserve from God is punishment because of our, our brokenness, our sin, our fallenness. We're separated from God and we deserve uh, to be punished. But God loved us so much. He desired to be in relationship with us that he gives us grace. And uh, you see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. So grace is the, the reason, the way that God reaches out and interacts with each one of us. And that's God's expectation for how we interact with others as well. Think about it this way. The, um, the people that are in your life don't always deserve to be treated well by you, right? You know, there's the person who said something horrible about you on social media or the uh, individual that's been mean to you every day or uh, the person that uh, perhaps unknowingly has, has said such and such about you or this person that has some political views that, that consider you as, as a less than individual, right? But if we exhibit what God has done for us, then we will live our life towards that other person, person from the position of grace, giving them something that they don't deserve. Third uh, is the word peace. So God's interaction with us can be described in this understanding of the word peace, and that's God's expectation for how we interact with others as well. Uh, The word peace, I mean, oftentimes we define it as simply an absence of conflict. But when you look at scripture, it is so much more than that. In the Old Testament, the word for peace is often given as shalom. And it refers to a, a, a kind of right relationship that exists. Because on the basis of that right relationship, we're at peace uh, with God and we're at peace with each other. Let me explain that. So when I, I shared earlier this, the idea that we're separated from God and scripture describes us as that we're at enmity with, with God. We are literally have a lack of peace. We're at war with God. There's a conflict that is, exists that separates us from him in our lost, fallen, sinful condition. But God reaches out to us and he's provided a way that we can be restored to a relationship with him. And when we accept the gift of his son, we're restored to relationship and there's now peace between us and God. And God wants that same kind of peace in how we interact with our fellow man. And that's built on right relationship. If your, if your desire to do things for others is motivated by a, a sense or desire that you want to feel better about yourself or that you pity this individual or that you really are looking down on this person, but somehow you're going to do something nice for them, that's not peace. Peace is built on right relationship of recognizing that what's, what's motivating my action, my desire to be in relationship with this other person is the fact that I value them as a made in the image of God creation, that I recognize who they are and I want to be at peace with them 
because we're in right relationship. Fourth word that describes God's uh, relationship with us as human beings that should characterize our relationship with others is found in the word humility. We see this in Philippians chapter 2 where it says that Jesus Christ did not uh, count equality with God as something to be held on to, but instead emptied himself, came to earth, took on the form of a human being, lived his life, and then eventually died on the cross on our behalf. It's the ultimate example of humility because Christ was at the right hand of the Father. He was there at creation. He was in a position of power, and he's willing to give that up give up the rights associated with that to come and take on human flesh with all of its frailties. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he had to sleep. All these things that were part of, are part of being a human, uh, including living in a broken, fallen world, that Christ was willing to give up heaven to take on on our behalf. The ultimate example of humility. And God wants us to be like that with our fellow human beings as well. When, we, when our position with others is about holding on to what our rights are and I'm, I'm allowed to do this and, and uh, nobody can tell me I can't do this and, and that's our position, we're exhibiting a lack of humility. Or when our perspective is I have the right way of seeing this and other people's perspective has to be wrong because it's not the way I see things. Again, we lack humility. And finally, the fifth word that uh, characterizes God's relationship with us that should uh, then characterize our relationship with others is found in the word respect. In Hebrews, it describes the fact that God made us as human beings as just a little lower than the angels. It, it describes the special position in creation that we have as made in the image of God creations. And, you know, at the end of the day, when, when God sends Christ to earth, it's about human beings being able to be restored to relationship with him, to be able to live with him for eternity. That's God's desire. And there's something special about us as human beings that he would choose to do that on our behalf. And it's because we were made by him in his image. And this is not a thesis on, on whether all dogs go to heaven or not. Uh, the reality, though, is that God has designed us as human beings, as moral creations, to be in relationship with him and have the opportunity to live with him uh, forever. And that's a, a kind of respect that's been given to us as human beings that should drive our relationship with our fellow human beings. We should exhibit uh, a kind of respect for people that recognizes the fact that they're made in the image of God and uh, that should define how we think about, how we approach, how we interact with others. So that individual who thinks very differently than you do politically is made in the image of God. That person that wrote something horrible about you or the way you see the world on Facebook or Instagram, uh, that person is made in the image of God. Um, you know, the homeless guy that's uh, collecting money at the 10 freeway in the Tennessee Exchange, Tennessee Street Exchange, that person is made in the image of God and deserves our respect in terms of how we interact with that person. So God's made us in his image. God's made us to be in relationship with other others. God wants our relationship with others to be, to be modeled after his relationship with us. And then fourth, God calls us to unity in the context of church relations. We can see this in Ephesians chapter four. I want to read just the first uh, seven verses from that passage. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So this passage just makes it really clear that there should be a unity that characterizes who we are in the body of Christ, that we should be a unique community living that out and how we interact with each other. Now, this does not mean that we all have to, to think the same way politically, that we all would have to vote for the same person. Uh, that's not what this is saying at all. In fact, those are our lesser considerations. What God is saying in this passage is that there's a, uh, something much more important than these earthly concerns, and that's where the, the aspect of unity comes in, of being one God, one Father, one faith, one baptism. That's what should unify us as believers. And then because of that unity, then how we engage on this level is characterized by the terms that we saw here that we talked about earlier, that with all humility and gentleness, with patience, uh, love, grace, uh, an eagerness to maintain that unity, all of those things should characterize how we approach uh, these earthly kinds of considerations of who votes for whom and uh, what the best political perspective is. Uh, but we should be bonded, we should be unified by an understanding, a recognition of the fact that um, of our position in Christ and what God has done on our behalf. So that becomes the model of the community that God wants us to, to have, to be in a community that's marked by love, uh, that where we exhibit grace for one another, where there's peace because we're in right relationship, where we have humility about our views and perspectives, and where we demonstrate respect to our fellow human beings. Let's pray. God, we, we love you. We are so grateful for what you've done on our behalf, Lord. And we, we see this in this passage today, Lord, that there's one faith, one hope, one baptism, Lord, because that comes from you and you've made a way. And that gives us the opportunity to be both in relationship with you and then in relationship with our fellow man. Uh, particularly the community of faith, Lord. And God, as we go through what could be a difficult week, Lord, I just would pray that we live this out, that there would be something unique about the, the members here of the mission, Lord, with how we interact with one another, that we're exhibiting love and humility and peace and, and patience and how we interact with each other and with those who think differently than we do, Lord. I just would ask that our lives would be changed by this word today. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.